everybody, how's it going? This is Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Tighten Up the Defense, a podcast that would likely benefit from a tagline. As I believe I just mentioned, I'm Hub, and I hope you're having a great time whenever you happen to be listening to this. Me? I'm doing okay. Let's see. What do we got? Oh, I know. I had some friends recently who uh, visited a local branch of a chain of indoor water parks called the Great Wolf Lodge. They were taking their small child there. I myself have no children, but I like to party, so I was familiar with the establishment, and I recommended that they frequent a in-park establishment, which is a buffet called the Loose Moose. Not because the food is good there, because it isn't, but because the name cracks me up. And it wasn't until I got to the third possible meaning of the loose moose that I got what they were probably getting at, which was a moose that had escaped. Or was maybe having a party? I don't know why he's at a buffet. Well, I mean, I guess presumably he's at a buffet for the same reason any of us are at a buffet. Because we like to gamble. And essentially, the bet that a buffet is offering you is, hey... I bet you can't eat more than $10 of raw food stuff. And you know what? I'll take that bet. And may the odds be ever in your favor. But, like I said, when I first heard the name of the place, my initial reaction was, Oh, that moose has diarrhea. Why would you name a restaurant that? Which was soon followed by, Wait, they probably don't mean that. So, why is this water park trying to slut-shame a moose? And then finally was like, Oh, they must mean a moose who has escaped to a buffet. All right, fair enough. Anyway, I don't remember where I was going with this, so without any further ado, let's ado this. Today's synopsis rhyme is submitted by Matt Laserwitz. I'm probably mispronouncing Matt's name, but if I am, that's a pretty good mispronunciation. And if I'm not, then that's a pretty good name. Superman flies and Batman broods, the TMNT are party dudes. Not everyone has skills like this, but count on Hub for a synopsis. Thanks, Matt. Um, there's something that's bothering me grammatically about this, but I need it for the rhyme, so I'm going to try that one more time. I think, like in many situations in life, a ridiculous accent may be the key to this. Superman flies and Batman broods. The TMNT are the party dudes. Not everyone has skills like these. But count on Hub for a synopsis. Ah, still didn't work. Oh well. It was a good rhyme, Matt. Thank you for it. New Teen Titans, number 19. May, 1982. The Light Fantastic. Written by Marv Wolfman. Drawn by George Perez. With inks by Romeo Tangal. Teen Titan Roll Call, Starfire, Wonder Girl, Raven, Cyborg, Beast Boy, Kid Flash, Robin. Previously in the New Teen Titans. Starfire dated a dude named Frank Crandall, who unbeknownst to her was a con man. They got engaged, then he got murdered by supervillains. Bummer! Cyborg started dating a pretty blonde lady named Sarah Sims, who taught a special class for kids with prosthetic limbs. Then he decided they hadn't been dating after all and were just good pals. Then Deathstroke the Terminator, who uses 90% of his brain and only 50% of his eyeballs, kidnapped Sarah and used her as a hostage. Since her release, Cyborg hasn't talked to her out of some misplaced sense of guilt or something. Also, Dr. Light is a supervillain. He hates the Teen Titans and is a real asshole. He controls Light and Dr. Light is his actual name, Dr. Arthur Light. Gad Zooks! Will Cyborg finally talk to Sarah and explain why he's been avoiding her? Has Starfire recovered from the realization that her romantic relation has recently been relieved of the responsibility of respiration? Did that last sentence sacrifice comprehensibility for the sake of alliteration? Stay tuned to find out! Okay, so, no, no, and oh goodness yes. Sorry about that. Vic is moping around in the park, stalking Sarah, and feeling bad about the fact that he's giving her the silent treatment, while at the same time trying to justify the fact that he is shutting her out of his life to himself. The mechanized moper finally manages to convince himself that she probably hasn't even noticed that he's been gone and doesn't miss him at all. Meanwhile, Sarah is wondering where Vic has been and thinking about how much she misses him. Oh, you sweet, stupid idiots. Speaking of stupid idiots, Dr. Arthur Light is currently locked up in a New York State prison. 
He overhears that over in Gotham, the Riddler recently stole a bunch of money and got away with it. Art figures that if a dummy like the Riddler can make a big score, then he ought to as well. So he jumps into a light socket or some shit and beams himself out of the slammer. So, I guess he was only in prison because it hadn't previously occurred to him to not be in prison? Huh, and this guy thinks the Riddler is stupid. Meanwhile, Carter Hall, aka Hawkman, an alien space cop slash archaeologist slash superhero, is convincing the government of India to loan him some dope artifacts for him to take on a big museum tour. He assures the Indian officials that their priceless statues and dioramas will be safe with him. I bet they'd feel better if he had just told them that in his free time, he likes to jam a giant bird head over his head and fly around shirtless hitting people with a mace. I think that's a quality most people are looking for in a museum exhibit curator. When the artifact-accumulating avian alien arrives in New York, he starts sifting through his borrowed bounty of bejeweled bric-a-brac. Carter explains to his assistant that the keystone of the exhibit is a super cool ancient diorama featuring crystal-encrusted statuettes of Vishnu and the ten avatars he assumed when he came to Earth. Ten avatars, eh? Hmm. I wonder if this interesting piece of exposition will be revisited later in the story. Dr. Light has made his way to a secret New Jersey headquarters. He's leafing through the paper, probably the Underworld Star, and sees that an exhibit of priceless Indian artifacts, including a certain sweet Vishnu diorama, will be on display in a local New York museum soon. You don't say. Art thinks to himself that stealing those priceless artifacts would be a swell caper. You know why? Etymology, that's why. You see, apparently the root word of Vishnu is Vish, which means a light penetrating the whole universe. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, then by all means, that's how you should plan your criminal enterprises. Especially seeing as how it's probably going to be super easy to find a buyer for rare famous artifacts that have just been reported as stolen. Why not just steal the Statue of Liberty's torch? Or those two lanterns that signaled Paul Revere. Okay, actually, that seems like exactly the sort of shit that Dr. Light probably tried in the Silver Age, so never mind. Back at the Titan Tower, Donna is giving Starfire some shit about the fact that she's still all mopey about her fiancé getting murdered. I mean, that was like two months ago. Get over it already. Sheesh, Donna. And here I thought Coriander was the space alien who didn't understand our human ways. Although, to be fair, I guess maybe if I had been dating Terry for a year... I might not understand why having your boyfriend murdered would be such a bummer. Sorry, Terry. Anyway, true to Titan form, Raven is eavesdropping on her teammates, and she starts getting all jealous about the fact that Starfire is so in touch with her emotions. Yeah, Raven, what a treat to be distraught at the murder of your fiancé. Starfire doesn't know how good she's got it. At that very moment, completing the Matrushka doll of Titan eavesdropping on Titan, Robin has been eavesdropping on Raven eavesdropping on Starfire and Donna. Dick tells Raven that she's been acting even more bummed out than usual and asks if she wants to talk about it. She says, nope, but the boy wonder ain't hearing it, and insists that she have a heart-to-heart -heart with him. So, the Azerathian goth slides her hand down his face like she's Travolta in Face Off and gives him the empath equivalent of a Vulcan nerve pinch, KOing her fellow bird enthusiast Titan for a few minutes so that she can sulk in private. That's so Raven. Can't believe I haven't used that one yet. Back at the unnamed but prestigious New York Museum, which I'm going to assume is the Gottenham Museum that we saw back in Teen Titans 48, Arthur Light is lasering up the joint something fierce in his attempt to hamburgle those sweet, sweet ancient Indian dioramas. Carter hears the ruckus from down the hall, jams on his Hawkman duds, and flies off to save the day. Hooray! Only a stray laser blast from the shittily goateed Lord of Luminescence catches Hawkman's wing on fire, and he has to go roll around in a snowbank for half an hour to put it out. Hooray! Unfortunately for Dr. Light, the laser blast that incinerated Carter's wing wasn't the only errant blast the ignoble illumination enthusiast dispatched. Turns out, another laser beam went through the crystals on the diorama depicting the ten avatars of Vishnu. Uh-oh. If a lifetime of reading comics has taught me anything... It's that when science, magic, and religion get mixed together, some weird-ass shit is going to go down. Oh, and also that if a dude has a first name for a last name, or his name is alliterative, he's probably a superhero. Oh, and you should only buy your balloons from a reputable vendor unless you're looking to trip balls. But those last two lessons aren't directly applicable to this story. Still, good general advice. Anyway, laser plus crystal plus ancient diorama equals the ten avatars of Vishnu come to life and start chasing Dr. Light and wrecking the joint. Snap. The avatars in question are Varaha, the wild boar, 
Narasimha, the man lion, Parasurama, a giant dude with a magic axe, and Matsya, a giant fish. I lost count there, but that's probably ten, right? Good, because that's all we get. Light freaks out and hightails it out of the Gottenham, and the maybe-not-quite-ten-after-all avatars give chase. The cowardly creator of indecent incandescence suddenly stumbles across a cunning scheme. If he can lead the rampaging avatars to the Titan Tower, then maybe the Titans can defeat the destructive deities. And if not, what does he care? They'll still get the vengeful Vishnus off his back for a minute. And if the Titans manage to get killed in the process, all the better. He can kill two birds with one stone diorama that was magically brought to life by a laser and an ancient crystal. The two killed birds in question being Robin and Raven. Ooh, and maybe Hawkman too, once his wing fire is put out. So that'd be three birds with one stone diorama that was magically brought to life by a laser and an ancient crystal. Not too shabby. Okay, so obviously Dr. Light is a real piece of shit. I mean, just look at that goatee. But, pretty good plan. When the diabolical doctor arrives at the Titan Tower, he decides to observe the local customs by busting through the wall Kool-Aid Man style. Surprisingly, rather than congratulating the supervillain on his uncharacteristic display of cultural sensitivity, the Teen Titans beat the shit out of him. Well, and it's still Dr. Light getting beat up, so... Hooray! The thoroughly pummeled doctor fills his adolescent assailants in on the nature of his pursuers and begs them to intervene. Against their better judgment, the Titans reluctantly agree to fight the Avatars. Not surprisingly, Donna makes a beeline for Narasimha, the man-lion, and starts attacking. Man, what is it with that lady and her subconscious desire to injure felines? She's not even mind-controlled this time. Vic lassoes Varaha with his cable attached to his detachable fist and starts riding the giant pig god around. Raven and Wally let Rama with the axe chase them around the park, but he keeps gaining on them. Matsya the fish is about to use his giant fish powers to destroy them all, when suddenly Hawkman, who has finally managed to extinguish his wing fire, shows up and saves the day. By telling Wally to save the day. Gee, thanks Hawkman. Thank goodness you're here. The Titans and Hawkman are kinda holding their own against the definitely not even eight avatars of Vishnu, but the tide of the battle is starting to turn. When Arthur Light sees this, he figures, fuck it, may as well head back to the Gottenham and finish Gottenham burgling the joint, and off he goes. When the Titans notice that the perfidious purveyor of prism-powered pulses has skedaddled, they figure they have a pretty good idea where he's headed. They give chase, and the almost certainly less than seven avatars of Vishnu give chase to them. When the heroes catch up to Light at the museum, he's filling a Santa Claus-style bag with priceless antiques. They beat the shit out of him again. Hooray! Hawkman tells him to shoot his laser into the crystals again and see if that will restatuify the diorama. Arthur tells them, no can do. Turns out that during one of their pummelings, the Titans busted his laser maker. Whoops. Hawkman helpfully tells the gang that they're hosed. Wow. Both as a custodian of priceless artifacts and as a superhero? Carter Hall is doing a really shitty job today. Fortunately for both the Titans and their incompetent Thangarian buddy, Starfire is on the case. She blasts her magic space fire through the crystal just as the animated avatars are about to attack. The, I'm pretty sure less than six avatars, instantly crumble into dust. Eesh. Looks like Carter's probably not getting a security deposit back from the Indian government. The hawk-headed hero? picks up a groggy light by his lapels, and threatens the disheartened doctor until he passes out from fright. Hooray! Then we get a couple of epilogues. In the first one, we see that Dr. Light has been thrown back in jail, and apparently it hasn't occurred to him yet to escape again. A guard tells him that the Riddler got beat up by Batman and thrown in jail. The dipshit doctor is delighted by this news. Schadenfreude warms his heart, and he grins merrily in his prison cell comforted by the knowledge that he is perhaps only tied for the shittiest villain in the DCU, rather than winning the contest outright. Ah. The second epilogue takes place at the apartment of Donna's boyfriend, Terry Long. The doorbell rings. Perhaps thinking it is the mailman delivering the new issue of Perm Enthusiast Quarterly, Terry rushes to the door and is greeted by... Sarah Sims, the pretty blonde lady that definitely isn't Cyborg's girlfriend. Sarah tells Terry that she really needs his help. Hmm, maybe she wants a perm and needs the number of his hairdresser. Or his turtleneck vendor? Oh, and I finally finished crunching the numbers on that, and it turns out there were four avatars. Four. Not the ten they said there were going to be. Oh, shit. And I just remembered that the Gottenham was in Gotham, and the Guggenheim was in New York. Damn it. <laughs>
gotten hamburgled. Doesn't work anymore. Oh, well. And joining us once again after returning from his travels in a mystical realm is my good for many things brother, Corey. Corey, how's it going? It's going pretty good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. So I forget, were you in a realm or a dimension? I am not at liberty to say. Okay, well, were you trapped there after staring into a brazier? Oh, that Jamaican incense, it gets me every time. Okay, then it was a realm. Okay. Cool. Well, welcome back. Thanks. So, what'd you think of the issue? I thought it was fun. Yeah. Well, you sound kind of reserved on that. Yeah, I don't know if fun is the right word because I hate Dr. Light so much that... Well, actually, no, it was fun because you got to see him just be a bumbling fool and everybody tell him that over and over. Yeah, pretty much. I actually really liked this depiction of Dr. Light. Like, I generally really hate Dr. Light. This is how I feel he should always be written. Mm. Like, I keep coming back to pro wrestling metaphors, especially lately, but there's a thing called a chicken shit heel. A chicken shit heel? Yeah, and that's what he is. He's a bad guy, but he's a chicken shit, and it works perfectly for his character, and I actually thought this was a really fun depiction of him. And I thought overall the issue was really fun. Yeah. Okay. He's a chicken shit heel. Is that why he just, like, hung out in jail until he got mad enough at the Riddler to screw in a light bulb? Okay, I see. I don't know why he was hanging out in jail. It makes like, no damn like, sense. It doesn't. And I don't know why they would just put him in a regular jail. I assume they have special prisons for supervillains that they would at least have marginal difficulty escaping from. I guess it does say at some point at the end, like, oh, no, when you punched me, it fried the circuits in my suit, so I can't use my suit to use my powers. Mm-hmm. So I guess, like, to a certain extent, his powers are based in his suit. But if he could have at any point just, like, fucked with a light bulb, and then, as the comic book explains, blah, 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 science happens. You're probably too stupid to understand if we told you about how the science happened. But some science happened. You know, I don't know what the median reading age of this comic book was, (laughs) but I can imagine myself as a, you know, a 12-year-old or something. Yeah, reading it the way that you described it. Like, what they said is like, well, we could go into this long, complicated explanation, but, you know, he escaped. Yeah. Like, they might as well just say, like, we don't know science, but some stuff happens. But no, they very clearly are saying, like, no, we know science, but you're probably too dumb to get it. So it would be boring for you to hear. Where did Dr. Light vanish to? This befuddled policeman asks. Well, we could give you a detailed scientific explanation of how he converted mass into light waves. But take it from us. In simpler terms, Dr. Light has flown the coop. Nah, man. Nah. No. Nah. He, it's like the he, chicken shit heel he is. Yeah, exactly. The coop. Yeah, where you, if you were stepping around in a chicken coop, you would have chicken shit on your heel. Yep. A real chicken shit heel. Yeah. Yeah, that's Dr. Light. Happens all the time. Indeed. But yeah, like I said, there are a couple of things about Dr. Light's portrayal that I do want to touch on in here. Like I said, I like it when he's portrayed as an arrogant, ultimately pretty stupid coward. But we find out that in addition to his expertise and scientific knowledge of light, he also has at least some background in etymology because he hears the name Vishnu and is like, oh, that's perfect. Because Vish for Vishnu comes from light, meaning an all-penetrating light that permeates the universe. Mm -hmm. It's like, you just knew that shit off the top of your head? Yeah, so like it didn't surprise me when Robin knew all about Hindu deities because he's Robin and he just knows shit. But yeah, and he likes to tell people about it. Doctor well, Light, I was surprised. I was surprised, but here's how that actually makes sense to me. He doesn't know everything about etymology. He's not an etymologist. He doesn't know like root words in general. But he does seem like the type of dude who would be like, I want to have a bunch of light puns to say when I fight good guys. Mm. So I'm just going to look up all of the different meanings of the word light and different ways different cultures use the word light. That way I can use it for puns when good guys punch me. Mm-hmm. Because he, he does use a couple of puns that way. And I'm like, okay, that actually does make sense for his character. And that's why he knows that. I was able to generate some headcanon on that shit that made some sense to me. Yeah, that works. I can see that. It's also we see that his secret base is once again in New Jersey, which is I think like the fourth time that's popped up. I'm wondering if that is like... Wolfman having either a diss on Dr. Light or a diss on New Jersey or both. Mm. Probably some combination. I'd say both. I also like about Dr. Light's portrayal that he really hates the Riddler and like sees it as, no man, I got powers. I can't, oh, that asshole. If he's doing something good, then I want to do something cool. Mm -hmm. I thought that made sense. and, And I like that in his character that like that was just all he needed to galvanize him. And then even at the end when he's just like, 
Oh man, I got my ass kicked. I didn't get any away with any of the crimes that I was planning. Oh, but the Riddler got caught? Cool. It's a good day. Mm-hmm. I like all the little in stuff about like the hierarchy of supervillains and how they rank themselves and kind of pit each other against each other. I like it's like, oh, it took me forever to live down getting defeated by the Atom. Mm-hmm. A lot of shit talk about the Atom in general. I always kind of liked the Atom, but I, I do like the idea that it's like, oh, I got defeated by this kind of C-level hero. So that's going to knock me down the power rankings. So. Mm, yeah. It took him months to get over that. I like too, that he knew the exact time. Like one day he woke up. He's like, oh, cool. Well, I mean, we're done with that. You time how long it takes you to get over something in months. Like last month, Donna was giving Starfire a bunch of shit because it had been a whole month and she still wasn't over having her boyfriend die. And now it's been two months and she's still fucking harping on having her fiance get killed. What gives? So, if it took him two months to get over the Adam beating him, then... I feel like Starfire should get at least four. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, that seems reasonable to yeah. me. I thought Donna was being an asshole. We'll get into that. Yeah, well, we can get into that more later. The other thing that I wanted to bring up about Dr. Light, when he's shit-talking the Riddler, one of his references struck me as like, wait, what's he talking about there? His riddles wouldn't even be suited for Joe Miller. Yeah, what was that? Was that a TV thing? Okay, Joe Miller... that he is referring to is a book that was published in the late 1800s that was The Modern Joe Miller, which was in itself a reference to a book that had been published about 100 years before that that was Joe Miller's Jests, Hmm. which was a joke book that was published in reference to a actor named Joe Miller who had been fairly famous. I think he had appeared in a bunch of Shakespeare, like, Hmm. back in the day OG Shakespeare productions. And after his death, a joke book was put out that was Joe Miller's Jests that had like a bunch of like stories and stuff. And I guess the actor was in three of them, but they were trying to capitalize on his name value. And then there were a couple of sequels put out. And the one that was published in the late 1800s had a bunch of riddles in it and was called The Modern Joe Miller. So that is what Dr. Light is referring to, which is a weird fucking reference for him to make. That's like one of the things when they're writing and that's just, you know, like Wolfman knows that or something. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, that's a good reference. Yeah, everybody knows that, right? All the kids will get that. (laughs) I feel like I make references like that a a fair amount. What? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Sorry. It's okay. I'm a real Dr. Light. No, don't say that. Okay, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Too harsh. You talked about Wolfman having a little jest in there. I think Perez has a little joke about Wolfman in here. There's a point where the newspaper is being read. I believe it's Dr. Light is actually reading the newspaper. Mm -hmm. The headline he's reading is New Indian Exhibit Opens at the Museum Tomorrow. But the top headline is New Wolfman Film. Oh. Hey. Hey, I didn't catch that. Yeah, old zinger. Little zing. Hey, your your last name is the name of a movie monster. Yeah. I bet Marv Wolfman gets a ton of shit about his name. Hey, Wolfman. Yeah. Hey, Wolfman Jack. Yeah. Hey. Bet you like the moon. Yeah, don't you think or the moon's hate great? Maybe, or, you hate, maybe you hate the moon. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you want to drink this Coors? Oh, no silver bullets for you. Oh, oh. Zing. Yeah. Yeah, so Hawkman definitely got fired, right? Yeah, but why is Dr. Light so afraid of Hawkman? Did they have a... I think Series the I, See, that's one of the weird things. I mean, like, Dr. Light has fought the Justice League. Hawkman's part of the Justice League. I don't think specifically Hawkman and Dr. Light are nemeses, but he's part of the Justice League, so they've definitely encountered each other. Freaked his shit out, though. He had to, like, talk himself down. He's like, oh my god, oh my god, Hawkman, no! No, no, it's cool, man. It's just Hawkman. Don't freak out. I get the impression they're trying to play up that's Dr. Light's response to any superhero Uh, because he did say he's just like fuck it i'm tired of fighting superheroes i'm just gonna steal shit yeah good call yeah just fucking steal shit yeah get rich or die trying yeah man that's dr light's motto i did think it was kind of weird that kid flash was saying we looked into the justice league's files about dr light and they say that he always seems to be running from something dude you fought dr light like five times in the last year and also before that back with the old teen titans You've probably encountered Dr. Light as many times, if not more, than the Justice League. It seems weird that you just kind of forgot that. It does seem weird. Yeah. But yeah, Hawkman, he's got to be fired, right? 
I don't understand why they went through all of the panels talking about how much trouble he's had procuring these exhibits to go on tour from Indian museums and having them on loan here if there aren't going to be any stakes when they get blown up. What the fuck, Hawkman? He doesn't even seem to care about that. Bad curator. Yeah, he's a, he's a bad curator. He's bad at his job. And I, I, I think, frankly, he should be fired. He does a bad job in this issue, too. His wing got caught on fire. His wing got caught on fire. And then he spent almost the whole issue trying to put it out. And a snowbank. I just like, imagine him rolling <laughs> around rolling. and be like, oh, yeah. God, it's <laughs> really burning. Why isn't the snow working? So do you know shit about Vishnu? No. No, nah, man, I, I didn't either. I'll tell you what I do know. Mm. How to count to ten. Because they say early on, here, this diorama portrays all of the ten avatars that Vishnu, of Vishnu's forms that he used when he would come to Earth. There wasn't ten of them. There were four of them. Maybe just only the light bounced off four. I mean, obviously that must be what happened, but they didn't make any reference to that. And they very clearly say there are ten avatars that he assumed, which I assume is probably accurate. He probably had ten different avatars. But why not just have a reference to, we only were able to find four of them, or... Some of them. Or just make a reference to the fact that they're not all represented. Why would you introduce the fact that there are more of them that you're not introducing if you're not going to introduce them? Kind of like, why would you show him going through all of that trouble to procure the artifacts if there aren't going to be any repercussions for it? It just struck me as odd and kind of unnecessary. It's a keen bit of criticism. Thank you. I think that, again, <laughs> Wolfman was like, Hey, I learned a thing about Vishnu 10. Do to do to do, four guys, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember who all of them are. And I also can't remember the difference between a bull and a boar. Bull boar. Did you notice that? Yeah. That kind of peeved me. Although it is Robin who says that and he may have just been talking out his ass. And maybe that was like Wolfman making a little joke on Robin. Because clearly the uh, Varaha avatar, I'm probably mispronouncing that, I apologize. It describes him as a bull, but... He clearly is a boar, and he is described later as a boar. Is a bull a term for a male boar? No. Could no. Be. You would at least need to add the second word boar at the end of that. Bull boar. Yeah. And he is later described as a boar, and he is clearly illustrated as a boar. It just was a weird thing. So I'm assuming maybe Robin just got his facts wrong. He was just kind of talking out his ass. Although the fact that he instantly recognized, like, oh, shit, that's some Vishnu dudes coming at us impressive robin it is impressive so when you first saw the vishnu dudes on the cover and in the comic did you think that line was starfire yeah totally i totally thought that line was starfire yeah also kind of funny that donna ended up punching the lion guy again mm -hmm. dude she is not allowed near cats ever big or small big or small apparently mind controlled or not mind controlled Either way, keep her away from any felines because they are getting punched and or strangled. No cats for Donna. Man, it's very unsettling. And yeah, as soon as I saw it on the cover, because we've seen Starfire devolve into a cat form before. Mm -hmm. And so you've got like orange person that is a cat with long flowing hair in a bikini. Mm -hmm. Metal bikini. Sure. That's probably Starfire. Why not? Apparently it's not Starfire. Nope. Apparently that is Narasimha, the man lion. Yeah, I guess they only got one color of orange and lion hair yep. color. Yep. When they were showing all the people in prison with Dr. Light, did you catch the two that I think were supposed to be Mammoth and Gizmo? Oh, no. I'm pretty sure. It's on page three. And he makes reference to Gizmo earlier. Maybe it's not Mammoth and Gizmo. Maybe it's uh, just a different big dude and a little dude that are hanging out next to each other. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be Mammoth and Gizmo in jail with him. Not talking to him. Must be Gizmo, because that's only coming up about hip high on... The other dudes. Yeah, so I think that's those two. Although, potentially, Mad Max the Road Warrior was out at this time. So maybe that was... Oh, no, they don't show up until Beyond the Thunderdome. I was thinking maybe Master it was Master, Master Blaster. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at this point, it's pre-apocalyptic future. So they're not running Barter Town yet. Yeah. Maybe they're just doing some small-time crimes. Gotten locked up. Got locked up with Dr. Light. Sent to America. Uh-huh. Jail. Yeah. Australian jail couldn't hold... No, man. Master Blaster. No, man, no jail can hold Master Blaster. Mm, probably not. Not no, anymore, I, no, not, I, not, now that they've studied under the tutelage of Dr. Light, yeah. and they know that he can use science to escape anytime he feels like it. No, I think that's that's probably Gizmo. Yeah. Although Gizmo was kind enough to leave him those jet boot, or jet packs. Yeah, which, 
I mean, he can fly with his light powers, too. But I guess, I think he said something like, nice to not have to use the power to do that. That's kind of unnecessary, but hey, man, you can fly with rocket boots. Why not fly with rocket boots? Right. Sounds fun. Sure. I wish I had some rocket boots. Me too. Mm. What did you think of the uh, cyborg subplot? Yeah, boy, a guy sure spends a lot of time thinking about that lady who he certainly doesn't have a relationship with. It seems like they're trying to play that back, like maybe they do more now. I don't know. They always did. I felt like... I felt like they did, and then they tried to retcon it out that, no, they were just pals, and now I think they're leaning back into, like, well, now that we're a very popular comic book, we have a little bit more leeway with, like, censorship, so maybe we could depict an interracial relationship? Mm. I don't think they're going to still. But, so Cyborg is being a goddamn idiot right now. Uh, Agreed? Yeah. Yeah. However, I feel like he is being a authentic, fairly credible teenage idiot right now. Mm. Like, I get that shit. He's like, oh man, he's just way up in his own head. He's thinking, oh, I fucked up and... When I talk to her, I'll kind of have to acknowledge that I fucked up. So I'll just assume that I'm doing the right thing by doing nothing. And that way I get to continue doing nothing. It was all that where, like, I was angry at Cyborg. But as I was being angry at Cyborg, I was just, like, kind of yelling at my own teenage self. (laughs) (laughs) Being like, okay, yeah. No, I didn't get anybody kidnapped by Deathstroke. But also, I have definitely talked myself into not doing anything. Because... It's easier to not doing it, do anything, even if it's unpleasant. True. And I kind of appreciated that that portrayal. I, I thought it was actually pretty pretty decent, although shitty. And I'm curious as to why, why do you think uh, Sarah Sims showed up at Terry Long's house? Because maybe she knows the secret identities. How could she possibly know the secret identity? I know we've talked about this a lot, and it's a difficult thing. It is impenetrable. It's a difficult thing to penetrate, but if she figured it out, and then she knows that, you know, Terry's dating Donna, then maybe she can find a... Okay, how do you think she she figured out the secret identity? I didn't think it through. That was just the only connection that immediately Maybe did, Terry head. didn't get kidnapped when they kidnapped her and brought her back to kidnap land. No? No. Like, maybe Starfire slipped up and called Wonder Girl by Donna's first name, which is, as near as I can tell, the entirety of Donna's secret identity costume is not being called by first name and getting annoyed when people call her by their first name, which they do anyway. Yeah. So maybe that happened. Maybe at some point, Coriander took off her sunglasses? That could be, too. Man. Maybe she just needs help with a college paper. Is she a college student? She's a teacher. No, she's a teacher. Oh, so is Terry. Maybe they met at some kind of a teacher's convention. Oh. Maybe. Well, I guess we got away. Maybe from... Terry is indiscreet about the fact that he is dating Donna. Like, maybe he's the lo- loose lips that sank that ship maybe of so. secret identity. It could be. What do you think she wants from him? How, the fuck's wrong how, with Victor? How do you be a superhero significant other? Yeah. You got any tips, man? Tips or tricks? Yeah. Advice? Yeah. Maybe. This thing of people not using doors has has come up before. I don't remember if that was more of a Marvel thing or a DC thing. It is pan-universal. If you have a fancy costume on, you don't use a door. I found it so hypocritical of the Teen Titans to talk shit about Dr. Light for busting through their door. If anything, they should now be convinced that he is a superhero. (laughs) Yeah, I was listening to the last uh, show that you did with Miles and talking about the Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid Manning. Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid Manning? When you say it like that, <laughs> it makes it sound like he is like Peyton Manning. I know. Or Archie Manning's brother. That's why I paused. Kool-Aid Manning. I yeah. like that. Yep. <laughs> so, Kool-Aid Manning. <laughs> he would be more of a linebacker than a quarterback, though. I would say. Yeah, he would be a good uh, defensive lineman. He could smash through the wall of the offense. <laughs> Kool-Aid Manning. He just smash through the offensive line. Oh, man. So, if you are one of the famous football Mannings, and you are listening to this podcast, (laughs) and you have a son, train him to be an odd defensive linebacker, and name him Kool-Aid. Virtually success guaranteed. Oh, man. That'd be such a good football name. Kool-Aid Manning. (laughs) Be up there with W.T. Moms. Whoa. Do you know who W.T. Moms is? No. It is, well... 
The football one, I think, was the second and the fourth. It is a dynasty of people who are named WT Mons 1 through 4, I believe they are up to now. What? The WT stands for Wonderful Terrific. Whoa. Yeah. I, I believe they have all played professional or semi-professional sports. But yeah, wonder, Wonderful Terrific Mons, Wonderful Terrific Mons Jr., WT Mons the third, and WT Mons the fourth, I believe, played at least college football. Dang. Yeah. Wow. Pretty cool. Staying power. Uh-huh. But ain't got nothing on Kool-Aid Manning. Nope. Yeah, but no, the, the Titans do that shit all the time, too. Like, they don't... They know how to make an entrance. Mm-hmm. Literally. Uh, Where previously there had been a wall. Right. They make an entrance. Got it. And then they go through it. Yep. You get it? Got it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good one. Thank you. So there was kind of a fun moment where Raven is eavesdropping on Donna and Starfire, and Robin is eavesdropping on her, eavesdropping on them. Mm-hmm. At that point, Raven's being a real dick. I'm kind of tired of her crap. Like, we went through the whole thing where kind of came around on her, maybe it'll cycle through again, and I was like, okay, well, she grew up in New England. She, I mean, Nazareth, one of those places <laughs> where you are not allowed to acknowledge emotions. <laughs> yeah, that's just uncomfortable. Yeah, and I get that. But at this point, when she is eavesdropping, she is basically saying how jealous she is of Starfire. Because, like, at least she got to have a boyfriend who died. I know. That is a dick move, Raven. And then Robin comes up and is eavesdropping on her eavesdropping. And is like, hey, why won't you talk about your feelings with me? Which is a speech we've heard Robin give to her and also to Donna. I think this is the second time he's given Raven that speech. It seems more and more like that is just kind of his go-to speech. Like, I'm your friend. I'm your friend, yeah. I know, and she's like... Her she's reaction like, to that's kind of funny, too. Friend? Yeah, okay, she, she, like, I guess touches you are. his face, too. Yeah. And she's... I don't know. I got the impression she's like, you know... Do you think she does, like, the face-off thing? Where she touches his face and then, like, pets his face? <laughs> <laughs> like Cage and Travolta in that movie? Yeah, creepy. No. I think she does. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so she's just like, stop bothering me. Yes, you are my friend. Now, did she She knock him out? She just, like, temporarily, like, befuddles him so she can slip away. Dick move, Raven. Damn it, she slipped away again. Yeah, but can you blame her? Like, if somebody's, like, cornering you and being like, talk about your feelings, (laughs) wouldn't you just be like... Maybe you'll take a little nap, and when you wake up, you won't want to talk about my feelings. Exactly. I can't blame her. Yeah, I kind of can. She's supposed to have learned her lesson about using her powers to manipulate people, and she's kind of doing that now. Oh, that's a far cry from convincing Wally, Wally to be to, in love with her. Yeah, you could argue slippery slope, but I'm I'm gonna yeah, stick no. with that's okay. To... In general, I I will say that slippery slope arguments that slope is only slippery if you're an idiot. Yeah, and also Robin knew afterwards. He was like, ah, damn it, she slipped away again. I don't know how she did it, but <laughs> yeah. she did. She didn't, like, totally mind-wipe him. She kind of did. He doesn't know how she did it. Well, just for, like, <laughs> hey, just for a second. That's probably okay. It's okay to just mind-wipe a little bit. Yeah. It's, like, mind tidy a little bit. Yeah. Okay. You ready to get into the minutia? Let's. All right. We got minutia. It's not the biggest part. It's just minutia. Like Corey eating farts, we got minutia. Time to sweat the small stuff. Thanks, Rick. So, what do you feel like starting with? Close. Okay, sartorially speaking, which garments of note did you wish to note? I liked Victor's getup. I did too. That was one of the one of the notes that I had. He's wearing a pretty cool, like, matching green, like, thigh length duster. I thought it was more of a peacoat. It might be. It, it's like halfway between a peacoat and a trench coat, but it's a nice, it's like a forest green and he has a matching hat. Yep. And he looks really cool. Yeah, hat and jacket. Yeah, it was, a, it was a nice look. I also was wondering what type of class Wally was rushing from. That wrestling. He was. Was it a wrestling class? Yeah, I think he's wearing a singlet. He is a wearing doublet. a singlet. He doesn't doublet. I think a doublet is like a fancy old timey shirt that like Robin Hood would wear. Oh, I just thought a singlet was like. Oh, that makes sense. No. Okay. I think it's a singlet whether it's got the Tarzan one strap or both straps i might be wrong no like, I maybe it's right. just a onesie it is weird though because like he's wearing that in like knee-high socks and he's like oh i have plenty of time after just getting out of class he doesn't say he was in a wrestling class he is zooming across apparently across the country wearing a wrestling onesie 
it was just kind of jarring. His speed abilities in general are very inconsistent, in my opinion, how they work. Yeah, that is, I think, fair. I think if they were treated consistently, then every story would be pretty boring, because it would just be like, oh, I can do a thousand things in a second, so this fight's over. And I did all of my research, and everything's done. I mean, don't get me wrong, great power to have. Mm -hmm. But yeah, would, I think, make much shorter stories if they were treated consistently. It's like that actually with most of the really powerful powers. Yeah, I think that's fair. There was one other fashion choice I wanted to talk about, and that is Hawkman's getup. Okay. Because generally Hawkman, I think, has a pretty cool looking outfit. He's got the giant hawk head over his head. But in a couple of panels, you see the eyes of the Hawkman mask over his eyes, and they're, like, weirdly spaced, and clearly those are not where his eyeballs would be, so, like, he's looking through the eye holes of his mask, but then there are also just eyes on his forehead, Mm -hmm. and it's a weird look, Mm -hmm. and I kind of don't like it. Mm -hmm. Eyes on eyes. You know what it reminds me of? Mm. Do you remember that summer before college when I worked at Arby's? Yep. One of my least favorite things about that job. Okay. I had many least favorite things about that job. I had three least favorite things about that job. (laughs) One, I always smelled like shitty roast beef. Yep. Like pretty much always. And like I kept that shirt afterwards for like a couple of years. It never stopped smelling like shitty roast beef. That's gross. Okay. B, they had their specialty sauces. They had a horseradish sauce that was called horsey sauce. Which is And a barbecue sauce called Arby sauce. Mm Mm-hmm. And you had to call them Arby sauce and horsey sauce. And if you called them horseradish or barbecue sauce, then your manager talked to you and said, call it horsey sauce. And I was like, I don't want to say horsey. I am 17 years old. I don't <laughs> want to say horsey. But they made you say horsey. But perhaps trumping those things, I hated the fact they they gave me a hat with a picture of a hat on it. Oh. I was like, if you want me to wear a goddamn cowboy hat, give me a cowboy hat. Don't give me a baseball hat with a picture of a cowboy hat on it. Don't give me this aspirational baseball hat bullshit. Mm. I feel like that's what Hawkman's doing. He's got eyes on his eyes. And I don't like it. Okay. Just give him an Arby's hat. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) That was a bad job. Yeah. But if Arby's would like to sponsor us, give us some money. I'll say nice things about your shit. Won't wear your hats, though. Not not, Not unless I'm getting paid a lot more than minimum wage. I'm a grown man now. I don't wear hats on hats. Won't say horsey sauce for Won't say. less than $500. I think that's fair. Okay. Yeah. Arby's, give us $500 and I will say horsey sauce. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. What was your favorite sound effect in this issue? Oh, uh, man. I went with a boring but just really satisfying classic of page 17, Smack. Okay. That was a pretty good smack. Uh, do you remember who was getting smacked in that? It was the Lion King getting smacked <laughs> by Donna. <laughs> I don't think that's the Lion King. Oh? I mean, maybe it is. That might be Simba. Oh, sorry. Lion Friend. Lion Friend? Our Lion Friend here is ready to, was ready to put the bite on you, she says. She's smack. Oh, that's right. S-M-A-K. That's pretty good. I went with another simple but very, for me, satisfying sound effect, which was on page 25. Bing bong. Oh, that was my backup. I was like, that is so funny that doorbells really don't need these in this universe. Yeah. They just... Start with B. Bing bong. Bing bong. (laughs) (laughs) It's just really fun. Yeah. Nope, that was my backup uh, Yeah, Sarah Sims showing up at uh, Terry's house. Mm -hmm. Bing bong. Bing bong. You know what? Mm. Let's take this party to the Bozone. Okay. What was your favorite instance of a character, either literally or metaphorically, referring to another character as a Bozo? What was your favorite insult? Well, I didn't find any actual bozos in here did i miss any no i i think they've been phasing them out it's been several issues since we've had a bozo Mm -hmm. i liked it when dr light said to hawkman stand still you winged buffoon i'm trying to kill you i liked that too although almost certainly he said winged oh yes either way it works both are words but i read that totally as stay still you winged buffoon i'm trying to kill you that's probably a better dr light voice yeah I started off going going full Doctor Strange on that voice, yeah, yeah. But, but you got to throw a little bit of Cobra Commander in there. Yeah, dash of Skeletor. Mm. Yeah, just a pinch, just a mm-hmm. not just too a much. smidge of Skeletor. Otherwise, it gets too. You don't old. go full Skeletor. You don't need that kind of vibrato. You never go full Skeletor. Never go full Skeletor. But yeah, no, I liked that too. And actually, I think I had three insults that I really liked in this, and they were all by Doctor Light. Ah, um, is winged and winged spelled the same way? Yep. So I think it's just dealer's choice. Okay. In my mind, if you're a supervillain, you're saying winged. 
Winged good. No, winged bad. No. That's the mnemonic device you can use. So, that was definitely one of my insults, and I, I, I really liked that bozo moment. I also liked when Dr. Light... I liked his little Riddler rant at the end. That is on page 25. He does not like the Riddler. No, he hates the Riddler. Which he demonstrates by saying, The guard says, By the way, Light, did you hear the latest about the Riddler? And Dr. Light says, I don't want to hear about that Cretan again. Do you understand that? I hate his name. I hate him. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there is a bozo in there about that Cretan. Right. Which... It's pretty good, but I really like... I hate his name. I hate him. (laughs) And the other one that I liked, which I guess is only mildly an insult, but it's when he is escaping, the guard says, get down from there, light. And he says, certainly, my good fuzz. Yeah, that cracked me up also. By the way, have you people paid your electric bill lately? Because suddenly, this light is out! Oh, outie. That's pretty good. Yep, that's That's the thing. That's maybe the most clever thing Dr. Light has ever said. And I feel like he studied to say that, and that is where I got the idea that he probably looked up different euphemisms for Mm -hmm. light Mm -hmm. and like light root words and things like that i thought that was pretty fun although not technically a bozo so if we're going for for strict bozo moment i guess my bozo is going to be calling the riddler a cretin and saying i hate him i hate his name Mm. i'm gonna stick with winged buffoon it's a good call speaking of etymology we touched on earlier the fuzz man like do you know how that came to be that the cops are called derisively the fuzz i don't I'm maybe they had like wool uniforms. I think they did. That'll get fuzzy. That's my favorite name for cops, the fuzz. Yeah, it's fun. I don't know how like it's one of those where I've never had a clear grasp on how like derisive it is because it always just seemed kind of funny to me. Like there's a lot of cute derisive nicknames for the police, like the popo. Mm-hmm. Like, apparently that's not a nice thing to call the cops, but it sounds, like, adorable. Yeah, it sounds like a pet name. Yeah, and apparently just, and, the, like, cop. I think, like, coppers, like, that. Mm-hmm. that is, that used to be seen uniform. as more derogatory. That definitely came from the uniform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. If anybody knows, good for you. Nice job. Yeah. Knowing things is nice. You're a real Robin. All right, what was your favorite show-and-tell moment? There were actually a few to choose from in this. I like on page nine when Carter Hall hears an explosion and says, Explosion! <laughs> okay. Pretty direct. I think that's pretty fair. I had a couple. There was one I... Th- I don't know if it technically counts as a show and tell, but the over-explanation of the word laser that Dr. Light does. Well, he wants you to know that he knows things about light. The Riddler stole five million. Dr. Light will steal five times that. And now, light comes in many forms, including one referred to as light amplification through stimulated emission of radiation, or laser for short. Mm. It seems like a unnecessary over-explanation that happens just when you shoot a laser out of your hands, which is cool. That is what causes Carter to say, explosion? Of all the unexpected. <laughs> God, Hawkman's such a square. Yeah. But I also liked page 13, which is where... Cyborg and Beast Boy are hanging out in the control room, and you see Cyborg pushing a button, and there is the captioning of that is, Cyborg's steel-covered finger sweeps across the computer control board with the ease of a practiced professional. He's pushing a button. You see the literal (laughs) button that he is pushing. He is pushing a button that is clearly labeled alert. But there's a little speed swoosh next to his finger. (laughs) He's pushing that button so good. A practiced professional. (laughs) He's pushing a well, button. He's good with computers, though. Yeah, that's true. It turns out I'm good with computers, too, because I think I also could push a button that was clearly labeled. Would you do it with the ease of a practiced professional? I think I might. Oh. Depending on the button. Alert. Yeah, that one I could totally do. Okay. Now I'm alert. Nice work. Thank you. So those are my show and tell moments for this. I, I think th- this was actually an issue that had some pretty good ones in it. I think Wolfman's getting better about not doing the really obvious, blatant show-and-tells like there were in the first couple of issues. I am wondering how you would feel about switching out that category in favor of a category I call timestamp. Okay. I've noticed in many of these issues there will be something that is just like such a dated pop culture reference that puts a really direct timestamp on the issue. And I think that actually is coming into play more frequently than the show-and-tell. 
Mm-hmm. How would you feel about swapping those out? Yeah, I'd give it a shot. Maybe with the caveat that we can also use the slang or something in there if I can't find something that's a, a specific pop culture thing. But I think it would, it would still put a timestamp on the issue if there is right. a, a slang term that is used in that way. Yeah. I just feel like the show and tells have, we've been having to stretch a little more to get them and they, they haven't been as blatant, which had been kind of the whole point of the segment. All right, so this time stamp I call the word fuzz. We're not doing this issue. What's yours, man? Are you too worried about the fuzz? I'm not worried about the fuzz, Corey. Here's another thing, though. Like, this one's timestamp would apparently set it in, like, the 1950s when Wolfman grew up because there's the scene where uh, Cyborg is swinging his detached hand around like a bolo and uses it to catch the pigman, Vishnu. Bullboar. The bullboar. Mm. And he goes, ha, Roy Rogers doesn't have anything on Hopalong Cyborg here. That's that true. doesn't seem like a good early 80s reference. Mm-mm. That is like a 1950s reference, but it's a very clear 1950s reference. I only yeah. know that from my dad talking about that stuff when I was a kid, so that's totally 50s. Yeah, I only know it from uh, playing his Hopalong Cassidy board game, which is actually pretty fun. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, we should play it sometime. Okay. That's a good time. Yeah. You have to bring the Desperados to jail. Oh. So in this game, Corey... Mm. you're the fuzz oh man that's a drag (laughs) (laughs) well done yeah so we'll start that with the next teen titans issue what was your favorite panel the art in this is quite good it's really good it's george perez and they're just fucking tremendous yep the detail is he just kills the detail on the indian exhibit he really um, does he draws a mean vishnu diorama the avatars of Vishnu are all super cool, especially mm-hmm. the axe-wielding guy. But I think my favorite panel was actually the opening scene where Cyborg's being all super mopey. I have the same one. That is just a beautifully drawn panel. I described him as being inside his head. Mm-hmm. It's literally. It's literally. Like, it is yeah. a panel shaped like a silhouette of his face that he is inside, and it's just stunning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really well-conceived art. Yeah, that, that was my favorite as well. Although... Strong backup anytime the the giant fish is drawn, because that is just a cool looking giant fish. I really like the way he draws the scales on it mm-hmm. and like these weird bubbles all over it. Mm-hmm. It's a really cool looking giant fish. Specifically, I think when we first see it in its non-diorama form, page 12, when they first all come to life. I think that's my backup panel, but yeah, the first page where it's just Cyborg watching Sarah and the kids skate on the ice while he leans up against a tree and it's the panel is shaped like his face. It's Really cool looking. Mm -hmm. Really nice layout. Really nice design. Really nicely rendered. So, every issue of a Teen Titans comic book has an Aqualad, the Mm -hmm. greatest of Teen Titans, and also a Speedy, the worst of Teen Titans. In this issue, who was your Speedy? It was a little tricky for me because everybody, when it came down to getting things done, did okay. Um, Except Hawkman, which I didn't include him. Yeah, it was. I, I had the same thought where I was just like, man, if we were doing Defenders roles... Like, if we were hitting this shit Freebird style, <laughs> definitely Hawkeye. Yeah. I'm not Hawkeye. Yeah, well, Hawkeye. Oh, yeah. yeah, it would Hawkeye still be guy. Hawkeye. I know he's not in this issue, totally but I would still guy. have him. No, it would definitely be <laughs> Hawkman. He just does a bad job both as a museum curator and as a superhero and really never acknowledges either of those. But we couldn't do that. No. So I went with Donna because, you know, she does okay, but, uh, you know, as you mentioned, she's... She's getting, I guess it's okay to punch cats if they're avatars of a god that are trying to destroy you. I guess, but it's dangerously bleeding into her waking life, her subconscious cat strangling proclivities. It's creepy. But the main thing that really pissed me off about her was the chat that she's having with Starfire, which we talked about earlier, where she's like, it's been two months since the love of your life that you're going to marry got murdered in front of you. So could you just start laughing at the stupid jokes that Beast Boy makes? Like, that would be cool. Whatever. You're really bringing us all down, Starfire. Yeah. We're trying to have a nice time here. I get it. Your fiance, who you were very much in love with, was murdered. But that was two months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I get that. And she was on my list, too. I decided to go with Raven for similar reasons, like her just being like, well, at least Starfire had a boyfriend to get murdered. Mm. I don't even have that. I'm going to eavesdrop on them. And then when Robin says, hey, how's it going? I'm going to use my powers to knock him out and sneak away so I can mope more about how nobody cares about me when people are asking about me and soliciting my opinion and caring about me. I decided to go with her. I think you're right. Probably Donna was being worse, but Donna was my choice in number 18, I think, 
for very similar reasons when she was giving Starfire shit about still being upset about her boyfriend dying a month ago. Mm-hmm. So at least this time it's been two months. Yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. She did a terrible job. I'm just going with uh, Raven. Conversely, who was your Aqualad this issue? Yeah, conversely indeed. I picked uh, Starfire. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a solid choice. I had a couple of backups. I almost went with Robin. He had some Vishnu knowledge right at the top of his head. Did a nice double eavesdrop, which is a very Teen Titans thing to do. He's been really coming around. Yeah. I feel yeah. like I used to pick on him kind of a lot because for just being a dick, but yeah, certain, know, he's getting better. Certain characters have really come into their own under Wolfman. I think others have dropped behind. I feel like there's been a real shift on the Robin Kid Flash axis. Mm. where Kid Flash has been a real shit a lot more, and Robin's been cooler. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But uh, I agree, Starfire did the best job. She uses her powers to re-diorama the diorama mm. instead of turning it into... Or she, just explode it. She turns it. them into a pile of rubble. Yeah, but that's good, too. <laughs> My notes to myself were, Starfire for fixing Vishnu's. <laughs> Yeah, she fixed him good. She did fix him good. And she she did a very good job with that. And uh, she didn't kill Donna, which had to be tempting. <laughs> uh, yeah. She hasn't killed any of her teammates that are being shitty teammates to her right now. I'm pretty happy with her. Good job. She didn't give that lion sh- too much shit about cosplaying as her. No, not too much. No. So good, good job, Starfire. The scene in which she is telling Hawkman what the plan is with Re deanimating the Vishnus. He is holding up these tiny crystals and saying that they need Dr. Light's powers to reactivate the crystals. But she is holding these crystals in her hand. Hawkman, who in this panel, he has the most blatant Arby's hat eyes on. He's saying, then there's no hope. We need his power. And Starfire is holding up some crystals and saying, we have our own power, Hawkman. We don't need crystals. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she is talking to a lot of hippies that I know in that panel. They don't work, man. Yeah, man. I'm sorry. Either use regular deodorant or don't. Those crystals are not doing anything. It doesn't work. Yeah. 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 So, Starfire. All right. Great job. Yeah. Well, that brings us to <laughs> the return. Thanks to our Patreon donors of Waput. Yeah. What's Aqualad probably up to? Yep, that's my abbreviation for Yeah, I saw you had Waput written down on your notes as a column, and I was just like, is that a sound effect? I don't remember (laughs) seeing that in this issue. But no, I like that. Waput. Yeah. So, Corey, Waput. All right. So we talked in the past about uh, the studious streak that our favorite marine teen has. And that translates, you know, not only into his interest in primates and cephalopods, but... Also, just, you know... Primates was Wong. Was Cephalopods Wong, too? Yeah. Damn. I mean, don't get me wrong. Aqualad's a good guy, so he's probably interested in those things, too. Shit, what did I have Aqualad... I had him study something at some point. You had him study the Doobie Brothers. (laughs) Oh, yeah, man. Okay. So, as most... uh, We can work with that. Students of the Doobie Brothers in the early 80s were... He's also into the budding field of computer science. Oh, is he? Yeah. So, like a lot of us were, he's hanging out in his parents' basement. Sure. Trying his damnedest to wring some shred of sense out of the PC DOS 1.1 that came out at that, that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he's just down there in the dark, typing away, trying to figure out how, down to, there saying, like, run. how to make things run. So that was DOS version 1.1 came out? Yep. Mom used to have an IBM PC Junior. Uh-huh. Ah, such a piece of crap. She wrote her her doctoral thesis i think on that thing and she had to like link together a ton of files to make it save enough to just use it as a word processor man that thing was such a piece of crap Mm -hmm. yeah i remember that like trying to make things bold took a super long time (laughs) it was like word star or something was that app application yeah i on the other hand grew up using the apple 2e oh fancy boy uh easy writer easy writer sucked man ah dennis hopper hated it yeah man yeah so anyway what aqualad was probably up to in may of 1982 Mm -hmm. well he'd been around the block a few times he'd been to a few fairs like country fairs not just a country fair not just a county fair Mm. a state fair oh 
Not even a state fair, Corey. What, what kind of fair? A world a fair? A world oh, fair. Oh, shit. He decided to go and check out the world fair in Knoxville, Tennessee. So, he got all dressed up in his incognito outfit because he didn't want anybody to bother him. Did so he go as Wet n' Wild? Here's the thing. He went double incognito. Oh, he put shit. on his Wet n' Wild costume, and then he was like, still too cognito. Mm. I'm going incognito. So, over his Wet n' Wild costume, he put on trench coat and fedora. Course. The least conspicuous of all outfits. For eternity. One would think. Mm. Except May of 1982, he's walking down the street in Knoxville, Tennessee, incognito, except little movie called Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid just came out, mm. which was a Steve Martin movie that was a throwback to the film noirs mm. of the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Mm. So everybody thought that he was just cosplaying is going to see that movie so he he ended up getting up a, a fair amount of attention people were like hey that's great and so he's like shit well i don't need this wet and wild costume anymore this trench coat and fedora is doing me fine so ju- jumps up to the sun sphere tosses his old wigs mm. his old wet and wild wig mm-hmm. into the sun sphere other people start getting the idea hey that's a great place to get rid of our old wigs so they start tossing sphere? the sun sphere is a special structure that was made for the world's fair in knoxville tennessee what was it um yes and so people just start tossing their old wigs up there mm-hmm. aqualad he's wearing his trench coat and fedora he goes and sees dead men don't wear plaid has a great time beautifully edited film mm-hmm. great lighting mm-hmm. i really love that movie and uh he has a great time forgets that he left his wig up there but mm-hmm. that thing was just filled with wigs and years later Bart Simpson and Nelson Muntz on their road trip where they went and saw the Sun Sphere, which Nelson knocked over with a, with a rock. It was still full of wigs to that day. Oh, shit. Yeah. Weird. And that is Wapoot. I suppose it is. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. Yep. That's quite a construction. Well, thank you. Indeed. Oh, you mean the Sun Sphere, right? No, the whole it thing. It was quite a construction project. The whole shoot. Well, your town holds a world fair. You pull out. How many stops would you say you pull out? Like most of them? 10, 11, no, all of them. All of the stops, that is exactly right. Okay. Well, thank you so much for listening, dear listeners. Hey, if you'd like to hear more of my voice, there's a couple of places where you can do that. This week, I believe, is when the episodes that I'm guest starring on in uh, Alphabet Flight, hosted by Jesse Cooper, should be coming out. It's a really fun podcast. You can check me out over there. I believe it's week before last I was on Smash Fiction, where I was on Team Namor versus Team Aqualad. It was a lot of fun. Uh, You should definitely check that out if you haven't already. And uh, I want to once again thank our guest host for phil who filled in for Corey during his time in a it was a brazier so it was a realm right yeah we agreed realm yeah miles and elizabeth both did amazing jobs you should definitely be checking them out over at thor the lightning and the storm podcast it's really really cool and you should be checking that out anyway but also go check it out some more yeah yeah you were listening to that indeed good huh very good very good yes yes nice work guys and thank you so much for filling in you did a great job and thank you listeners for listening without you where would we be nobody knows maybe a realm maybe a dimension tough to tell who could say i pray we never have to find out if you would like to get in touch with me you can do so at ttwasteland at gmail.com you can find me on twitter at ttwasteland underscore. Uh, If you'd like to make a donation, I would certainly really appreciate that. You can do so at patreon.com backslash ttwasteland. We've got a couple of goals up. I'm going to put some more goals up so you'll get something in return for the donating. But it is thanks to your donations that we have brought back uh, such segments as Wapoot! Wapoot! And uh, the new segment, Long and Winding Road. Uh, (laughs) Ha ha ha! They get better and better. <laughs> These are not mine. People keep suggesting great names for the long segment, and mm-hmm. um, just going to keep uh, doing them. But thank you so much. And if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, we've gotten some really nice new uh, iTunes reviews. Those help people find the show and get us some new listeners, which is really good to have. It's a lot of work putting out the show. I really enjoy doing it, but uh, hearing really good feedback from you people and, of course, the donations on Patreon really make it seem like I'm doing something that people care about and is worthwhile. So thank you so much, and I really do love hearing from you. And, uh, yeah. Bing bong! Happy late Canada Day. Oh, yeah. Wapoot! It's Canada Day up Canada way on the first day of July. Do you know that song? <laughs> no. It's a good song. It's uh, Stompin' Tom Connors. Oh, I don't know what that is either. Oh, he's great. Yeah. He's a uh, 
Canadian singer who would he died a couple years ago unfortunately but he would only play in Canada uh he was huge up there but he would set up this board Mm. And he would stomp a long time with his music. And towards the end of the concert, it was basically the concert was over when he kicked his way through the board. Wow. He was a cool guy. Sounds like it. Yeah. Stomping Tom Connors. He's great. Indeed. Yeah. And uh, happy almost uh, America Day. Oh, yeah. That's nice, too. Mm -hmm. It's no Canada Day. They're different animals. It's true. Bye. Bye. (laughs) And they knew it. Delicious farts. Maybe they were in that pie. He said he was bringing. <laughs> if so, then it's okay that it didn't bring that pie. Cause I don't like to eat farts as much as corn does, but I do like pie. Said he was bringing pie. Didn't bring a pie. Minutia. Sorry, I didn't bring the pie. God damn it. Uh, that's disappointing. Agreed.